Welcome to the Sharpening Strength Podcast, a show designed by men for men looking to get strong, feel confident, and live a high-performing life. Every week, we will have a featured guest who will share valuable information and experience to give you actionable strategies you can apply to level up your life, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. We will draw on our guest's knowledge and experience, but more importantly, we'll discuss how this applies to the common challenges and struggles of being a man in today's world. Our goal is to not only build strong men physically, but to help coach and develop strong friends, sons, brothers, fathers, business owners, and professionals in every area of your life. I'm your host, Dr. Dave Pachkowski, proud husband, business owner, physical therapist, and strength coach with a passion for helping other men level up their lives. Wherever you're at in your journey, I'm excited to have you here with us today. Now let's dive into today's episode of the Sharpening Strength Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to episode number nine of the Sharpening Strength Podcast. I'm joined here today with special guest, Taylor Jansen. Guys, we have a great one coming your way. Some of the things we're going to be talking about today is what it means to be a leader, a mentor, and to have influence what it means to not strive for influence, but just to show up for those around you and let it happen. I love the saying that's going to come up here. You got to live it, model the behaviors that you want to see. Why having more clarity is the secret to more performance. We talk about the importance of self-reflection, evaluation, and seeking feedback. We talk about responding to negative circumstances and taking ownership of your actions and your attitude. So a little more about Taylor. Uh, following his collegiate basketball career at Carroll University in 2011, Coach Taylor Jansen started Performance Max Basketball Training, where he has since worked with numerous athletes ranging from third grade up to the collegiate level. In addition to training and development, Coach Jansen has over 10 years of head coaching experience in both boys and girls AAU organizations. Outside of basketball, Taylor's authored two books and has conducted public speaking engagements for schools, charitable organizations, as well as small and large businesses. Guys, I'm super excited for this one coming up today. Let's get started. Taylor, so stoked to have you on here, man. Welcome to the Sharpening Strength Podcast. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk and cover a few different topics and get this thing rolling. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun today, but I want to start by if you can just give listeners an overview of your story, both kind of personal background and professional background. I think the the easiest way to start would be uh, a little bit into the ch- my childhood, actually, of how things came about to run my business, which uh, is, is Performance Max. And I, I predominantly focus on training basketball players. Um, but when I was younger, I, I took a liking to basketball. Didn't love it, um, but I was I enjoyed going out in the driveway, old hoop, uh, just being by myself and working on my game. And it was actually a, a moment when a buddy of mine and I went to a, a tryout in eighth grade. And we were both really amped to, to be there. We were talking about it weeks before, how it was going to be this great experience. And we were going to travel around the country, play all this really good competition. And went to the tryout. And my buddy made the team, but I got cut. And I think it was a big turning point for me, like that whatever I was going to do, I, I had to put forth my absolute best efforts. And I started getting up before school, getting workouts in, uh, lifted with the football team just to maximize my ability in the best way that I could and that led to me becoming a, a pretty good high school player and then having the opportunity to, to be a, a college basketball player as well and then during my time in college um, people in the community that I grew up in in Pewaukee Wisconsin started asking me to do 
little group sessions with two or three kids and working with players on their skills. And, and then I was working with a, a brother and a sister at a park and it just became a little summer job for me during school. And before I knew it, I got done with school and got done with college and there was, you know, growing interest. So I, I had a job six to two, probably every day I was doing some personal training um, for adult population, which I enjoyed. Uh, but I knew that I really liked working with, with the youth athletes and the high school athletes. So when I got done with my job training, the, the general population or older population, uh, I, I trained athletes after that. And I'd go two, three, four, five hours after I got done with my, the, my other job, like I said. And again, demand just kept growing and growing. And I was like, it's time to take a chance on starting a business with this and going all in on it. And that's what I did. And that's what I'm doing currently and is working with the with youth athletes, high school athletes, some college athletes, and worked with a few players who have the desire to play overseas or are currently playing overseas as well. Yeah, that's really cool. And we, that's, uh, we went to we went to school together and got to know you a little bit through school, but we got connected mainly through through your business. I'd say was where we you, know, you gave me the opportunity to to get some training experience when I was when I was just transitioning to PT school and just loved the the community you were you were developing there and the the athletes you were getting to work with. And I was thankful enough that you were able to take me on and give me some experience in that sense too. Yeah, I I, I mean that was. And I think it, it all, it's all going to connect today too with some of the topics that we're talking about. But um, in college, I was studying exercise science and there was a lot of information that I took away during that time and uh, a lot of valuable things that I learned during school about movement and uh, the body. But again, my passion is was basketball and I, I really enjoyed it. But I, I use some of the knowledge that I took from, you know, training different sports and training general population with with coaching cues and just interacting with people and I use it now in in camp settings and group workouts and I still do do some strength strength conditioning for uh, athletes too most specifically basketball players but I think everything's so connected I think you know the skill of basketball can greatly be enhanced by being able to move properly and being healthy and being strong and being fit. And, you know, the more force we can produce, the more, the more force we can put into the ground, the better athlete we're going to have. And uh, it's, it, it all connects. I mean, just with, with coaching, with, with being able to move better and then then sport too. And, and that's where I think I found my niche a little bit and I'm thankful for that. Yeah. And it's, it's so cool what you do and, and getting, you know, thankful for the time we got to where I got to kind of learn and, and mentor under you and what you do better than a lot of people I know and where I want to kind of take this interview today is the, like you talked about, the, the X's and O's of getting stronger, doing those things are, are super important. But there's a lot of people that can get someone stronger, get them faster and do those things. But it's different to, especially when you're working with more youth athletes, to have influence over them to actually coach in a way that communicates caring for them yet, uh, inspiring them to be better and actually getting them to follow through with those things can be a much harder thing than simply the, what we learned in school of like, if you do this many sets and this many reps, this will happen. So I want to talk a little more on the the influence side of things and the coaching side of things that you, that you do so well. Cause there's such a, I think there's such a myth out there today of influence being number of followers and how big of a following we have. We look at the influencers quote on, on social media. And we are like, man, I want to be like, I want to be like that where they're just they're able to impact so many people. But, uh, and you talked in your book, leave better than found this, that 
influence doesn't have to do with how many, how many followers you have or how many things. And I want to dive a little deeper into that. What is, what does influence really mean to you and how is it different than how maybe society perceives influence? That's a great question. Uh, I think you eloquently stated that, um, you know, just to kind of go back a little bit too, even with, with, uh, with the story aspect of it, when I was 25 years old, I got diagnosed with, with testicular cancer and, and I ended up having to, to have some chemotherapy during that time as well. And I think I was just going through and doing everything almost subconsciously or unconsciously, even as a coach, I just was doing what, whatever, however I had been coached, I was pretty much just doing that as, as a, as a coach in my time. And I, my passion fueled me and I think it allowed me to stay afloat for a long time. And, and my, having knowledge obviously helped too, but it was that knowledge and passion. And I didn't really understand the, the science of coaching. I didn't really understand the, um, you know, I, I think I understood the art just, just naturally of coaching, but I don't think the science of coaching was something that I I'd really studied a lot and how to be a better communicator and, um, you know, using language powerfully. Uh, but, but during that time, I, I really started to understand what the, you know, what passion can do for you as a coach and combining passion with knowledge and that can help impact people. And, and a lot of people wrote me letters during my time with, with chemotherapy. And a lot of my players, you know, sent me powerful messages that it, it made me even more motivated to become a better coach. And it made me even more motivated to uh, grow myself even more to, to impact even more people. And I think to your point, a lot of people want to have this huge following and they want to, you know, be the person on Instagram who has a hundred thousand followers. And to me, it's more important that we understand that we can make a huge impact with wherever we are and whatever we're doing in that moment. And when we do that over and over again, people realize it, even if we don't realize it. And that that's ultimately what my point is, is that I didn't realize that I was having an impact on people. But then when this, you know, time period in my life happened and I got cancer and I had to have chemotherapy and I had to take a break a little bit from some of the coaching that I was doing and people took time out of their lives to write me a letter or send me a message or give me a call. I realized that, you know, I was having an impact and, you know, looping it all back around, I think that, that time just, just showed me that we don't, we don't need to strive to, be a huge influencer. We don't need to strive to have this massive following. If we're really good at what we do and we we care about what we do and we we live it with passion every day, that's going to come. I mean, influence is going to come when when you do your job extremely well and when you care about people and when you build relationships with people. And I I think that's a message that you know can resonate with anybody because we all want to be instantaneously gratified. We want that, that overnight success. And we think that the people who have the 2 million followers are, are the people who own the most influence and their platform's big, but everybody has a platform. And, and when we dominate the platform that we have, our platform gets bigger and we organically can start to influence more people. That's so great. Yeah. And I think we see these, these big accounts and we assume that they have more influence and we also assume that they're, 
happier with life or they're like, oh, that's, that's what success looks like. And it's easy to hide behind these accounts. And like you said, they can be putting out information, but you can influence more people in your direct location or whatever, like you said, whatever mode you have, than some of these big accounts that might be putting some stuff out for a lot of people to see, but how much is it really connecting with them and, and how are they really living out their lives and in, in some of those other ways too? No doubt. And I think that's another thing with, with uh, leadership for me is you got to live it, you know, like as a coach, and, you know, my players, I know they're going to be able to see through me right away if, if I'm out here giving them a message and I'm not living it myself. And I'm a big believer in modeling the behaviors you wish to see. And it's not to say that people who have, you know, big accounts, it's bad. I mean, that's that's OK if you have thousands and thousands of followers. And, you know, but at the end of the day, I think people are going to know. People are, people are going to find out about you and, and if you're real or not at some point. And if you're living the behaviors that you are preaching, uh, people are going to be a lot more likely to listen to you and you're going to be able to have more of an impact and more of an influence. Model the behaviors in which you wish to see in other people. I'm just a big believer in that. Sweat equity is something I, you know, I believe in as a coach is, again, don't ask somebody to do something that you're not willing to do yourself. Yeah, I love that. And modeling the behavior, not skipping steps. We want the we want the fast track. We want everything expedited. That instant gratification you talked about, but to to earn the the true influence in those things, it'll like you said, it'll just happen. It's not something that we can we can necessarily shoot for. Uh, I want to so so you mentioned so from uh, during chemo, you got these letters, and you realized maybe you had the art and the passion of coaching, but you mentioned something about the science the science of it. Is that something that was that a turning point to uh, turn leadership and the coaching into more of a, I guess, more of a study, more of a science. And, and how did you go about that? Or what do, what do you mean exactly by that? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I probably didn't explain it great when I, when I was uh, talking about it, but I was just operating on passion, you know, and I think, uh, I think that can get you places. I mean, that that's, it's a great starting point. If anyone's not sure, just attack your day with passion. And I guarantee to at least get you the door to open in, in places. And the, the art part of it is, you know, I've, I've, I feel like I've always been pretty good with, with other humans and interacting with them and just being able to have a conversation and ignite interest in, in some way, shape or form. But the, the art of coaching is like figuring out or the, the science of coaching to me is, and I guess it's a little bit of the art too. And I think we both would agree there, there art and science can kind of, interact with each other a little bit. But to me, I, I look at the science of coaching, like when to cue somebody, how to cue somebody, um, what words you're going to say in your, in your cue. Uh, the, the communication side of it, I guess, is, is the word that I'm kind of going for when I say science is like, how do I, you know, what's the right way to communicate? What's the most powerful way to communicate? Because I think high clarity equals high performance. Um, and, again, for me, like it was, it was all passion. It was knowledge of the game that I had, but now it was like, I needed to figure out how to be the best possible communicator that I possibly could be. And, you know, people might, might, might be listening and saying, well, you know, science would be just knowing your stuff. And, and I agree with that, but I do think there's a little bit of a, a science to coaching too, and a science to communication and just how you deliver your messages. And, and I, I think that's ultimately what I was getting at is, Passion got me through the door. Passion got me my first, you know, round of clients, if you will. Uh, but 
me progressing as a coach is what has allowed me to grow my business uh, in the last few years for sure. I think that's a great point. I think that's overlooked. And in, in whether we're talking coaching or business leaders, we can fathers, we can apply this to to any area of our lives. But would you say that the that making that a conscious uh, a conscious effort is something that's overlooked? I think a lot of times we look at something like our athletic careers and. Uh, for you as a basketball player, you work on all your footwork and your dribbling and different shots from different angles and these things. But then we get into coaching. We're following our passions, which like you said, is a good start, but we're not thinking about those things. We're not thinking about, well, how am I standing when I cue this person? How like tactile feedback, what, what verbal, what's my tone? Like what, what am I, there's all these other things that we just assume should happen naturally. But would you say that's a, an overlooked part that we should have some more conscious awareness of? No, I think you, I think you nailed it. I try to study that stuff. I mean, I, I'm very confident that I know the drills that, that I want to do. Uh, I know the material that I want to cover in a practice. I'm very good at writing out my practice plans, but those little things, like you said, where you're standing, when you're going to give feedback, if you should give feedback, uh, does it depend on the athlete? Does it depend on the team you're coaching? Does it depend on the age you're coaching? What's the goal of the session? Um, what's the goal of this team? Is it a, a, an extremely competitive team that, you know, every single minute detail really matters? Or is it a, a youth team that they don't want to hear your voice very long? They just want to play. They want to learn. They want to figure it out. So I think all those things are things that, I, you know, I've learned are more and more important as I've, as I've done this thing. And you have to, you have, to have a, a feel for it. But uh, I think it's important to uh, you know, understand those type of things too, and, and plan for those things, you know, like when I'm writing out my, my practice plan and when I'm writing out a workout plan, those are things that I'm taking into consideration, you know, is it the first practice or is it the 12th practice, you know, because the first practice versus the 12th practice or the first session versus the 12th session, you can, you could be doing completely different things, but I think you have to be uh, aware of it and you have to be conscious of, of, of how you're coaching and in each of those sessions, in each of those moments. And those are things that as coaches, we should be thinking about and planning for. Yeah, definitely. Is this something that now when you, if you're, you're saying you're studying it and, and I, I know how much attention you pay to this. Is this, are you looking at, like, are you reading books or following other coaches or is this all based on experience you've had or, or where are you, where are you drawing some of these things and, and studying them from? A little bit of everything. I mean, trial and error for sure. Uh, you know, I go back after every practice and every group session that I do, I write notes on how that session went, uh, what I did well, what I thought I could improve upon, uh, you know, what course the session took. Was it you know, did things go south after I gave, you know, after I had a stoppage of it and I tried to explain something or did, you know, things continue to get better because I just shut my mouth and I let them figure it out a little bit. Um, so I, I'm always reflecting. So some of it is just, you know, me doing it and then having conscious reflections afterwards and, and seeing what I did well and what I can do better. Uh, and part of it too is, is I read a lot. Um, I, I try to, find different books, different people who have been doing this a lot longer than I have. And not just basketball coaches, but coaches in general could be any sport. It could just be leaders. Um, 
so I think it's a, it's a blend of everything to answer your question is it's not just one way that I'm trying to study this and one way I'm trying to learn. Uh, I'm just always trying to grow as a, as a person, as a coach. And then I think again, like passion gets you in the door. Um, but what you do after that is really important. And if we're not all striving to learn and not all striving to grow at everything that we're at, at the thing that we're doing and, and everything that we do, I think we're missing the boat and I think we're doing a huge disservice to the people that we work with. It has to be a conscious effort to, to get better every single day at what we do. Yeah. It's so well said. And I love your attention to, to detail and, and doing those things. And I know, you know, I know you in, in terms of how much you want to get better, but I know the reason behind how much you want to get better is because of the impact you can have on these athletes you're working with and these things too. It's not a, it's not a self-serving motive. I just want to get better for the sake of getting better, but it's that continual reflection and tying it back into, okay, when I'm in this situation again, I hope I can better help this out. Cause there's also the myth that we have to get it all right the first time. And we, we think like, Oh no, like I messed that up. I should have been, I should have known that, but I continually look back every, I look back a year ago, I look back five years ago and I'm always like, oh, I wish I would have done this with this person. But I say we do the best with what we know until we know better and then we have to do better with it. But that takes that reflection and, and that growth mindset that you're talking about. Yeah. I try to every morning, right. Especially right now, my routine has been a little bit different, but every morning, uh, there's some type of reflection that I'm trying to have. I, I have a journal. I, I do it in my iPad. Now I used to write it out. Um, there's, there's arguments on that. Like, do you handwrite? Do you, do you do, uh, type, do you type it out? people got different philosophies and, and I talk about it with people too. And there, there's definitely something to be said about handwriting stuff, but I just found that it was, it just took me so much longer. So now I have a couple of journals in my iPad that I, I try to attack every single morning, whether it's writing about leadership, whether it's writing about things that are happening in the world, whether it's X's and O's, whether it's just coaching philosophies. And I think it just helps me, you know, take on some of the information that I'm receiving and, and filter it and put it in my own words and to help me understand it at a deeper level. And like you said, it's the reason behind it is because I want to be the absolute best I can be at what I do for the people that I get the opportunity to interact with and work with on a regular basis. Yes. Yeah, so, and that's awesome that you're doing that, that daily. Is that, is that something you've always followed or is that something more into, into the coaching and getting in the science of it? Or is that something you've always naturally gravitated towards? Both. I, I think, you know, I, I've, I've, I do more of it now um, just because I, I want to be a better coach and uh, I want to have clarity. That, that's such a, it's a word that I keep coming back to all the time. And I heard a, a guy named Phil Beckner. He works with um, some, some basketball players, he works with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum of the Blazers. And um, he, he said high clarity equals high performance. And I just, it resonated with me and I keep coming back to it. And I think to be more clear with our athletes, we have to be more clear with ourselves. And uh, so I, I've always done some type of journaling um, and, and writing, like, you know, even when the time that I was uh, getting chemotherapy, I tried to be intentional about writing down three things that I was grateful for every day. And they were tough circumstances and, you know, it's not something I wish for, but like when I look back at it, I was at that stage of my life, I was probably the most grateful uh, and I had gratitude flowing through my heart more than any other stage in my life. And 
there's something to be said about that, you know, like just being intentional every single day with how you wake up and how you attack the day and uh, what you think about and what you write about and, and how you set your mind for that day. I love the the high clarity equals high performance quote. And that's, that's something I haven't directly heard. And I, I think we know what high performance is. And, and I think I know what you're getting at for high clarity, but do you want to talk a little more on the the clarity side of things? Cause I think the mistake I fall into is a lot of times I think I'm being really clear, but that doesn't get interpreted as clear. And, and it's not enough to just be, to just have self clarity. Can you talk about what clarity means to you or in the, in the athletes you're working with? Me too. I mean, I'm the same way. I, I I know sometimes I could say something in one sentence that I end up saying in five sentences, and I'm probably doing it right now to some degree. Like it's it, it but you know, we're having a conversation, we're talking. It's a podcast. We, you know, it's, it's not meant to be a a ten minute thing. But um, when I'm coaching a team and when I'm with a group less is more to me. And if we can give our message in a short, compact form, uh, in a short, compact way, uh, and still get those instructions across, get our message across, I think we should, we should be striving to do that. I mean, nobody wants to hear a rant or a lecture in the middle of a practice in the middle of a session. So as a coach, I think if we can learn how to speak in bullet points to cue in bullet points and not have to take two or three sentences or four or five sentences, or even worse, you know, two paragraphs or three paragraphs to explain one thing, I think we're, we're helping our athletes out and we're helping the people that we get the opportunity to work with out, uh, just to enjoy the session a little bit more because they're, they're going to be doing more instead of having to listen to us all the time. So high clarity means to me is if you can say something in one sentence, say it in one sentence, like get it, get it done that way. It doesn't have to be where we ramble on for long periods of time to get our point across and to show how much knowledge we have, say what you need to say and move the heck on. Yeah, that's uh that's something I've, I've learned the hard way over, over and over again. And there's things that, especially getting out of, of PT school, it's like, want to show people how much knowledge I have. I want to, I just want to talk and like show people how much I understand. And I would give this big explanation of what's going on for them. And they would just glaze over and it's like nothing. And I'm like, but wasn't that, wasn't that so well said <laughs> yet? Now I, now I, the more I simplify things down, you get people to buy and you get these things and it comes at the expense of, I'm not inflating my ego either. And those things that I thought were so necessary early on, but that's a, I think a trap a lot of us can fall into. Like I said, me too. I mean, there's, there's not a doubt in my mind that I hope that I've improved. I hope I continue to get better, but I know when I first started off, there were times that I just wanted to to prove to everybody how much knowledge I had in my noggin, but it's so important to filter that information and to, and to put it into clear terms. And what are some other, what are some other nonverbal ways we can create more clarity? Is, is there anything you've, you've gotten into on the nonverbal side of things? It's a good question. Uh, you know, I think one thing that, that another phrase and that I love is coaches have body language too. And People may not always believe what you say. They might not always be hearing what you say, but they're always going to believe what you're doing. And body language is a part of that. And I think as coaches, we have to be intentional with our body language, no matter who we're working with. 
And I think that's the, that's the biggest thing for me is making sure that I'm like in a game situation when I'm coaching a team is making sure that I'm displaying strong body language. And if I'm throwing my hands in the air and if I'm, uh, you know, slouched over on the bench or, you know, if something happens in a game and I immediately put my head up like this and I, you know, have a big reaction to it, uh, those send strong messages to your players. And like, if, if you're a person who's trying to instill confidence in young athletes, you doing those things is going to take away from their ability to be confident. And you might think that, you know, the words you're saying are, you know, I'm instilling confidence and my belief is to instill confidence in the coach, but your actions and the way you're doing things, even in a nonverbal way, uh, can tell a completely different story. Yeah. I, I like that. And especially the, the example of when something bad happens and sports, an easy example for that, but whether we're again, business leaders, whether it's family, whether it's just life, these, these bad, bad circumstances are going to, going to happen regardless. And how do you either with yourself or with your athletes talk about dealing with some of these negative circumstances as they come up? I'm a phrase guy. And I, I, maybe people are getting the hang of that now. Like, uh, I try to first, I'm going to see if I can say a phrase that just is that one sentence that can explain it, but life is 10% what happens to us, 90% how we respond. Uh, my grandfather had both of his legs amputated when he was 75 years old. He, and I got to go, I got to go through that with him. I got to see it. I got to see how he responded to his circumstances that most people would consider are extremely negative and extremely adverse. And they were, and he didn't wake up one day, not one day uh, of just being in self pity and feeling sorry for himself. And he just attacked the day. And I think when we are faced with negative circumstances, the more we sulk in self pity, the more we sit and feel sorry for ourselves and the less we just go out and take action. I think the worse things become. Uh, so my thing in, in, times where maybe things aren't going our way is to maintain discipline and to lead with action, you know, do something and uh, remember that your circumstances don't have to define you, that we have the ability to define our own circumstances and things may not be going our way, but what are we going to do about it? You know, how are we going to respond? And Again, I, I think that that phrase, and my, my grandfather said it, you know, life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we respond to it. That leaves a lot of, a lot of room for us to be in control in, in, in how, uh, how we're impacting others in, in those ways. Uh, in terms of, so we talk about, and I know you speak a lot on, on positive mental attitude and, and these, these things that go closely with relating with the, the negative circumstances and how much when you talk about just like taking action and doing these things is, is more of the problem you see in, in taking the wrong action or delaying and taking action. And, and when you, when you talk about, uh, with your response, just, just taking action in some way and not getting, not being, being still, are there common problems you see or, or solutions that you tend to see with that? Uh, yeah, definitely. Another phrase, another quote, 80% of the people we complain to don't care. 20% are happy. We have a problem. Uh, it's like, I think a lot of times we get caught in the trap of just mindlessly talking about our problems and in order to fix any problem in our life. And again, positive mental attitude to me is not the absence of struggle. It's not the absence of 
adversity. It's not the, the, the absence of stress in our life. Everybody is going to ha- have days where they wake up not feeling the best. They, you know, they have issues going on in their life. They're being hit with adversity. But positive mental attitude to me is, is, is taking ownership in that time and to identify solutions. And it's like, like I said, people don't care that you have problems. The world doesn't care that you have problems. And sadly, some people are probably happy that you have problems. So, you know, what are we going to do to take ownership of our life? And what are we going to do on a daily basis that allows us to attack our problems and to attack the difficult circumstances that we have? Are we going to, again, sulk in self-pity? Are we going to feel sorry for ourselves? Or are we going to wake up and take action? And I think you were, you know, you asked at the beginning, do people take the wrong action? Yeah, probably. I think I think action could be that we mindlessly complain. I think it could be that we tell seven people about our problems and and during that entire time that we're telling all these different seven people about our problems, we never once identify a solution. So to me it's like identify your problem, identify the the root of the issue and try to find a solution to it. And and that's the difference between mindless and mindful. And that all ties into a positive mental attitude. It's not positive mental attitude is not just happy go lucky, fake it till you make it. I, I don't believe in that. There, we're all going to have problems. We're all going to have issues. We're all going to have stress. It's it's how we respond to them. And it's how we deal with them. And to me, it's it's learning to become more mindful as opposed to mindless. Yeah, it's great, and I'm sure you see that a lot in the the athletes you work with. Is it's bad things are going to happen and, and in sport, especially in, in business, bad things are going to happen and in life, bad things are going to happen. I don't, I don't want us to think we're just talking to, to coaches at the sport level, although this is very applicable in that sense. But what do you see from the athletes you're working with in terms of, from an attitude standpoint of what are some of the attitudes that, uh, do you, do you have a pretty good gauge on, on who's going to excel from a, uh, in their sport from an attitude standpoint and, and what some of those attitudes are that, that you tend to see as, as patterns? That's a great question. Yeah, I, I definitely, I, I definitely think there's patterns, and I definitely think there's uh, things you see in certain instances and cer- certain circumstances. There is, you know, anybody who has, or anybody who is a coach and deals with youth athletics, the famous phrase is "my coach sucks." Uh, again, that's there's no ownership there. There's, there's, there's finger pointing, there's blame. It's mindless. It's not mindful. And you know what? There are coaches who suck. You and I would both agree with that. Like there's, there's people who don't do a good job. There's business leaders who don't do a good job. There's managers who don't do a good job. But again, if, if that's how you're going to attack that problem, good luck. You're not going to get very far. Uh, so yeah, there's definitely patterns. And that's a, that's a common one is, you know, immediately pointing the finger at somebody else. There's also other common ones. I see that you have some of the most coachable kids uh, who are eager, ready, and willing to accept any feedback that you give them. And they are going to take it and they're going to hold on to it. And they're going to live and die by what you say. And there's a big responsibility with that too. Uh, making sure that you tell you, you as a coach are delivering the right messages in a clear manner. Uh, I, you know, I think of a story all the time about a, a kid's a particular kid that I spent a lot of time with over the past, probably eight or nine years. He was a young kid and 
uh, fifth, fifth or sixth grade is when I started coaching him, and he was brutal. Like the type of kid who was long and gangly, and he just really his, his skill wasn't there. His he wasn't coordinated yet. He was just kind of clumsy, but he was so coachable. I mean, and he showed up, and he was consistent. I mean, he didn't miss workouts. He he just he was ready to absorb anything that you gave him. And every year he got a little bit better, a little bit better. And by the time he was a senior in high school, he, uh, I think he averaged like 25 points a game and 15 rebounds. And he's playing division one basketball as a school paid for, uh, just stories like that, you know, kids who are th those patterns with that too. And it might not be that it culminates in a division one scholarship. And, you know, it might not be for the, the average person that, you know, you having a good attitude every day means that you're going to become the CEO of a company someday. That's not necessarily how it's always going to play out, but you're going to be able to enjoy the, the process a lot more if you, if you attack things with a, a good attitude every day and you're going to grow. And I think that's what we're all striving to do as humans is to become the best version of ourselves. And when we have the right mindsets and when we you know, don't immediately point the finger and we don't mindlessly complain and we identify solutions. And when we, you know, take control of our circumstances, I think we're going to find a lot more joy in our lives too. Yeah. And I've, I've seen that time and time again, and the, the people we get to work with and even my own life with the, the things that I willed so much to happen and wanted so much to happen. And when we get too caught up in the outcome of things, it's easy to distract from, the process of it, which is, is really where a lot of our, our growth happens, I think, and not so much in the, the times where I've, I've gotten cut or didn't get the starting role or things didn't happen in business the way I wanted or things didn't happen in relationships and things. Those things end up being, uh, we, can, we can learn a lot from those things if we're, if we're willing to, again, be mindful, be aware that there's other things that we still develop from those situations that we can use later in life. Absolutely. Uh, one of my favorite books is The Obstacle is the Way, is, is the way by Ryan Holiday. He, it's what it's about, you know, that we, in, in every struggle, there's opportunity. And, you know, and if we look, can look at adversity as a catalyst to our success, instead of uh, it being, you know, permanent failure or us not being able to rebound from that situation, uh, it changes the game. I mean, there, there's, there's no doubt in every experience in our life, there's, there's always something we can learn from and there's always something that we can take away from it. Yeah. Uh, I've, I haven't got a chance to read that one yet, but that's highly recommended. I'm going to have to bump that one up on the, on the book list. I know every one of his other books, he's got, he's got some good stuff. So uh, I want to circle back to uh, you mentioned feedback though. When we were talking in our, in our last point about people that are coachable and, and people that are learning, I want to talk both on the side of as a leader giving feedback. So how maybe some ways that you effectively do that? Cause like you said, is a lot of responsibility. And then how do you seek feedback as well? Is that something that's only done internally or do you have some uh, external resources or people that you seek feedback from as well as a, as a leader? Giving feedback. I think it goes back to that high clarity, uh, you know, trying to speak in bullet points as much as possible. Um, as far as seeking out feedback, I'm always open, you know, and I, I actually do, I ask players all the time, like, you know, at the end of a season, what I can get better at. Um, sometimes in sessions, you know, if, if I know players really well, 
you know, I'll ask for their feedback. I'll, I'll say, is there a better way we can do this? You know, because a lot of times, again, I don't view titles and positions as the end game of leadership. Like I, there's, there's other, other things that go along with, like we've, we've hit on a little bit already today. I learn a ton from my players and from people that I get to work with. And I'm always open to their feedback. And a lot of times I seek it out and and I want to know because they're the ones doing a lot of the activities that I'm prescribing. Is there a better way that we can do this? Is there a better way that we can set this stuff up? Uh, Just like in a business, I mean, is there a better way we can structure it? And just by you asking questions to them, it, it shows them that you care about their opinion. And not only do you learn, you also create more trust and you create more buy-in with them too. So if there's one way that, that I try to get feedback, it's, I just ask questions and, and I'm not afraid to, for them to give me an answer. And I'm not going to get defensive if they tell me, Hey, that practice layout today, I don't know what you were thinking. I don't know what we were doing with this, this, and this, like, I can't be defensive. If I'm going to ask them those questions, I have to be completely open to that feedback. And, you know, I, I try to be, I, you know, I'm, I definitely, some, I think it's something that I want to keep getting better at, but I want to continue to be open to feedback and I may not take it, you know, I may not, you know, it may not be something that I apply right away or uh, it might be something that I need to think on, but there's times too. It's just like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I'm going to apply it immediately too. Yeah. I like what you said of being able to, to take the feedback, not get defensive about it. And I think as a, a leader, it's either important though, to clarify that, to accept the feedback and give a reason why we don't, or sometimes we do have to implement that and show that their opinions are important. If we're always asking it and never applying anything and they're like, well, they, he always asked me for, for help, but I've never seen one of these things implemented. I think either have to be explaining as leaders of, Hey, I really like that idea, but this is why it might not work. Or this is why we're doing it this way. And it creates an education point too. Absolutely. No, you're exactly right. Cause there, there are times where, you see things completely different and they don't understand why you see it that way. And it exactly to your point, it it opens the door for that conversation. And, you know, it's something even in the world right now, like if we seek understanding, we oftentimes find understanding. And if we're willing to ask questions and we're willing to have conversations and we're willing to leave the door open to discussing challenging things and, we all can learn and, and we all can get better from it. And I think you're exactly right as, as a coach and as a leader. And, uh, you know, we should open the door for feedback. And if we don't accept the feedback, we explain if we don't think it's a good idea or if we have different intentions with what we're doing, we tell them that we tell the people that we're leading or the tell the people that we're coaching the reason why. And then it, again, it, it creates that learning opportunity and uh, they understand why we're doing things a certain way at a higher level. And again, maybe you create more trust with it. Yeah. I think we, we have to keep coming back to clarity too, especially since you mentioned that that's something that those times where we can better and more clearly discuss and talk on our vision and where we're heading in the direction and, and why we're doing that. And I think the times where as a leader, when I haven't done that regularly are the times where there's been a lack of clarity and then people don't see the big picture of why we're doing what we're doing. And it's easy to get lost in that. And then people don't see the importance of it. And they're like, well, this is stupid, or I don't see where this fits together. And I'm just doing this task to do this task. And it creates a lot of, it can create some disconnect between uh, 
coach and athlete or, or business owner and employee, it can, it can create a lack of, of trust and a, kind of some resentment if that stuff isn't clearly communicated. I'm going to ask you a question in return. So how do you guys, like when you first meet with a client, do you, do you have like individualized plans that you, um, you go over? Like, do you, do you clarify a vision with them before you start? Yeah. So on day one, we're in the, in the, the first session and we're spending upwards of at least usually 20, 30 minutes talking and getting history and talking goals and talking other areas of, of life that we don't associate with our pain, stress and sleep and those things. And, and once we identify what goals are and not just the surface level goal of like, I want to get out of pain, but like, what are we actually trying to get back to? Then we can lay out a plan and, uh, and it, I didn't start and do this as much early on, but realize the importance of laying out at least general expectations of, of, Hey, here's our general timeline. Here's our goals with, with your goal being this, this is what we're going to have to do to get there. And we can't say with certainty that we're going to get there by X date, but the more clearly you can lay that out, the more buying it creates, I think on the, on the other end. Yeah, uh, totally. I, I think that's such an important, just, just to always be having those conversations about where things are going, where things are headed clarifying that vision for, for yourself as a coach and for the, for the people that you're working with too. And, uh, I mean, every organization in the world talks about clarifying their vision and making sure that everybody understands what the vision is and, and, and where things are headed. I think it's, it's so important to, to lay that vision out and to, to be clear with it, but then commit to, the action every single day. And, and there's so many things too. And I, I wanted to say something too, off of your point of, yeah, maybe the initial goal for a lot of people is to get out of pain, but there's so many other factors that go into it. And I find that with, with athletes so oftentimes is that they tell me what their goal is and they think that just doing the skills that, I'm potentially going to work with them on, or if we do do some strength stuff, like they think those are the only two things that are going to get them to their goals. When in all actuality, like there's way more to it. Like, are you sleeping enough? Are you eating right? Uh, you know, what are your interactions like with, with people at home? Like, are you, how good of a teammate are you? There, there's, there's so many things that go into it and, and helping people see those things as well too, is a, is a huge part of clarity is like, you have to make it known what it's going to take to get there too. Yeah. I think a couple of good points there. And the one being that it's, it's so easy for people to get caught in, and having goals are great. I think we both agree on that, but to tunnel vision down a goal of say uh, easy example, I want to squat two times my body weight. So what are my squat workouts going to look like? What are my leg workouts going to do like, and that's addressing a significant piece of it, but that's such a small piece of how am I eating? How am I sleeping? What's am I mentally in a state and is my environment setting me up for success in, in, in getting to that goal? Cause those are all things that most people know how to generally speaking, we, there's a lot of intricacies with, with coaching and fitness and programming and those things. But for general fitness, we overcomplicate things a lot. Like people know what they need to do to eat healthy and to, to get relatively fit, but why aren't those things happening? And those are all those other variables that I think sometimes we, we don't address as coaches or we don't acknowledge as athletes or, or people training to get there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it goes back to a little bit too, that 
you and I or and, and other coaches and other leaders, we know all the 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 background of it. Like we know the science of nutrition, but nobody cares about that. Like the people that were, they don't care. They just want to know the action plan of what you're supposed to do. Now, is it important to explain to the person why it's important? Absolutely. And, and will understanding and having the knowledge of the programming and the, the, the stuff that, you know, we read in books and the science and all that kind of stuff is, is that part important? Absolutely. Because then we're able to, we're able to give them a clear picture as to why we're, we're having this conversation. But at the end of the day, they just want the basics and it kind of brings, brings it all back to clarity again, too. Like we have a, a whole entire book that we could write and give it to them about this, but most of the time they don't really care. They just want to know why it's important and give me something simple that I can follow. Yeah. And knowing the, the clarity piece, uh, doubling down on that, knowing who you're communicating with too, where there's plenty of people where, there's plenty of people, they want the, you know, the more intuitive types, the engineer types to work with. They want the, the nitty gritty of why am I doing this? How, why is this structure this way? Do I, this says X by eight, what's this tempo mean? And like, they want to know the, the, the sciencey stuff of it. And then there's other people, it's like, Hey, just follow this and you'll get stronger. And they're like, cool. Like sign me up. I don't need to know anymore. So knowing who you're talking to is a, a big piece of that, I think too. Definitely. Same thing in coaching. You know, you, you have the same standards or same thing, coaching teams um, and working with, with, with youth athletes and high school athletes is, is everyone's a little bit different. You know, you hold them all to the same standard of expectation and you, you're pushing them to be as good as they possibly can be, but how you do that could be a little bit different with each person that you're working with. Yeah. And I, I like, uh, we're talking about laying out the plan though, and the importance of that and seeing the, the big picture is a lot of times we're good about doing that in the initial stages in the like start of the year in the, okay, we're, we're laying out this plan and we lay out, we lay out this vision. People come in on day one. I don't know if you're the same way. I struggle with the communication of that daily and, and regularly though, too, I think is where I think a lot of leaders can benefit from more regular revisiting. Okay. Hey, this is still the direction we're heading. This is still why we're going this way. This is still why we're doing things this way. And I don't know if you fall into that at all, but that's something that I think we can definitely improve on as a, as a company and as uh, the, with the people we're working with. Yeah, I, I do too. And, you know, I think you, I think you hit it before a little bit. Both of us agree that goals are important to a certain degree um, and like we we're talking about right now, you have to, you have to know where you're going. Uh, you have to know what the plan is. Uh, but I think the reinforcement a lot of times for me just comes with the standards, like the, the standards that we, and the commitments that we have to uphold in order to get where we're going and ways that, you know, with, within teams that, that I coach and, and athletes that I work with, like we do player notebooks. So I might just ask them a question about, uh, you know, it could be a, a play. It could be a, an X's and O's type thing. It could be, uh, it might just be something to open up a conversation about their life. Like who's your biggest role model. It could be, uh, you know, three things that you're grateful for it, just little simple things like that. And, but it also goes into like, you know, in our last game, you know, did we do a good job of, you know, rebounding. Did we do a good job of, were we great teammates? And then it goes, it ties back into the reflection component of how you're doing. But to me, like 
we definitely do have to keep making sure that we we clarify our vision and we uh, we, we keep that direction clear. But I'm I, I am really focused on the standards and the relationships and each individual and each team continuing to reflect on how they can grow uh, because. I think part of it too is like we have, you have an initial vision at times, but it evolves and it evolves with the person and it evolves with the team. And maybe they, maybe the team starts to realize like, Oh, okay. Like we can be better than we even thought we were going to be. And that's, that's, that can be the scary part about when you tie yourself to a goal is it can be limiting at times is you can limit yourself with goals that you set early on. And that's why I like, I like a, a little bit more of a broad vision and then, we just like to talk about what standards we're going to commit to every single day. And if we uphold those standards, there's a good chance that our outcomes are going to be what we want them to be. Yeah. I, I really like that too. And I, I think like we said, goal is important, but we can also, they can tie us down and either we, it's a fine line of setting. We want these big goals that stretch us, but we also, there's so many things that come up over in athletics. Again, easy analogies of things come up in the season, injuries happen and in business, COVID happens, like things happen that affect us. And if we have, if we have more of a broad vision, then that makes it a little easier to pivot and adjust to those things. And not to say that we shouldn't have goals and goals should help direct us and, but more the uh, more process-based stuff over, over outcome based stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's, that's something within teams that that's really important. I just, I think we live in a very result oriented world. I think the average person wants results. They want them fast, but I want my attention to be on, you know, what we're doing every single day to move closer to those results. And it's, it's so easy to sit in a comfortable chair and write out your goals for the year. Uh, it's a lot harder to take action. It's a lot harder to, to uphold daily commitments and daily standards. And I think those are the conversations that, you know, that we have, we're going we're to be having on a more consistent basis is, is, are you upholding your standards and are you upholding your commitments? Yeah. So well said. And I think there's so much great stuff we've covered from vision and, and leadership and mentorship side of things. And I, I know we could talk on this all day, but want to kind of transition here as, as we wrap up. And when I first approached you with the the podcast, told you kind of the, the vision I had for it and uh, how I want it to be applicable for uh, anyone that's a, a leader in the, in applicable in the health and fitness industry and in some of those different areas, but also wanted to tie back into Life, living life as a man is not is not always easy, and it's uh, it's there's some myths around what it means to live like a man, and we can hide behind these these things and and put on the front that we have it all together. Especially looking from the outside of seeing someone like yourself of running a successful business and happily married, staying fit, you know, overcoming some some challenges that you've already been open about. And it's easy to to hear you talk and with your conviction and the knowledge you have and think man, this guy's got it all together and he's got it all, all figured out, which with both of us would be the first to admit that our journeys and, and the paths to where we are have been nothing but easy. And we're, we're far from where we want to be yet and, and knowing where we have to grow. But if you wouldn't mind being open with listeners on some challenge you're currently going through or something you've, you've faced recently, that's been a, a major catalyst for a growth as a man across one of these areas. Well, I appreciate that, Dave. Uh, it was that was that was pretty nice. Those were pretty pretty good words. I, you know, if if I look like I have it all figured out, I 
I definitely don't. Um, it, there, there's a lot of things. I mean, I think I could get into so many different things here. Um, number one that I know that, you know, I'm, I'm very aware of it. I need to learn how to be, to continue to strive to be more present. And there's, there's times I know I'm, I'm good with it. There's times I know I'm very bad with it. Uh, we have so much access to information and as, as a business owner, we can always be doing something. Um, there's a good chance though, in many instances that the email can wait, uh, but our family can't, uh, the people that we care about the most, we can't get that time back, you know, and, you know, I want to strive to continue to be better at valuing the opportunities I have with, with family and friends and to be present in those moments. And it's not to say that you're never going to pick up your phone, you know, in a five hour time with your family, your friends, but, uh, you know, there's things that can wait. And, and I've learned that a little bit too. And, and, and I'm by nature, I'm a very, uh, ambitious person and I want to get things done right away and fast and, and, and always be really quick to respond. I want that to be the, the image that I portray to people that, that use me for, for my services. And, but at the same time, like, is there really going to be a big difference between me responding to an email within 25 minutes as there is in three hours? I don't think so. And if the person needs that response in 25 minutes, there's a good chance that we probably should have had a previous conversation much longer ago about that. So I think that that was the first thing that popped into my head when you said that is just challenging myself to understand what's important, understand uh, where my priorities need to be in that moment. And, and again, it's not to say that my business isn't important. It's not to say that the athletes I work with aren't important. That time's really important too. And, but, but so is our families and so, so are our friends and there's other things in life besides our business. And, and, and I'm learning to become more balanced in that approach. And then the other thing that pops into my head too, and it's a difficult conversation to, to have, and it's a difficult thing to admit right, right now, especially with all that's happening in the world is, I want to be more informed as a, a white male who grew up in a, a suburban community. I want to become more educated and more informed about what's going on in the world. Uh, I think there's, there's real issues that need to be addressed. I don't have the answers, uh, but I want to keep learning about it. And I want to keep educating myself. So when I do have a conversation down the road with, with somebody that I can be informed and be intelligent about it. So uh, those would be the things that, that pop into my head. Yeah, I really appreciate you sharing both those. I know uh, connected with me personally, and I'm sure a lot of people are are struggling with the same things, especially as as achievers. And, and then with everything going on, it's there's a lot of a lot of things that can be overwhelming and frustrating. But I think circling back to all the listening back to all the points you talked on earlier of those principles can help get us through that of of being mindful of those things and taking action where we feel like we need to take action and all the, the reflection pieces is, is going to all be big things to do that. So I appreciate you sharing that though. That's uh, some things that I've struggled with and I'm, I'm sure a lot of listeners have as well. No doubt. No doubt. And I'll probably continue to struggle with it. And I'm sure there's a lot of people listening and yourself, we're going to keep struggling with it, but you know, we're all, you said it before, we're all doing 
the best we can with what we know in the current moment. And uh, we all need to keep striving to get better. And there's no reason why we can't. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to summarize for listeners here. So I was, I was taking some notes down as we were, as we were listening, I, I'm trying to narrow down on, on three of our key takeaways. I'll list mine and we'll see if you have anything you want to add to it, Taylor here before we wrap up. I uh, said, so high clarity equals high performance. I don't know how many times we said it, but less can be more and especially in our communication and, and that can be verbally, non-verbally, the more clear we are, the more performance will see improvement from that. I uh, love, I love, uh, what your grandpa taught you 10% is what happens to us and 90% being how we respond. I think regardless of where we're at as, as, uh, business owners, as leaders, as employees, as athletes, as coaches, I think there's not a single person that can't take away, uh, some key lessons from that. And then also last thing I, I highlighted was take ownership. So being mindful over mindless, taking ownership of where you're at, not complaining, not getting caught up in, in circumstances, but finding what you can do and pushing forward with it. Anything, uh, anything you want to add to that Taylor? Yeah, I think, I think the, I think those are well said, perfect, uh, perfect summaries. The, the one other thing too, that we talked about right at the beginning from a, from an influence standpoint, just be really good where you're at, you know, start with that, start there, start with passion, open the door and then keep growing, keep learning, continue to be more knowledgeable, uh, get better with what you do every day, you know, and you're going to naturally make your impact, Ben. And I think the, the easiest thing for me to say for somebody who's striving to make more of an impact, even though they don't feel like they're in a position to impact is model the behavior you wish you wish to see in other people. And if you start there uh, and you do things because it's the right thing to do, not because you're looking for validation, you're going to organically impact more lives as you go. Yeah, I love that. Okay. Last hypothetical scenario here. They're asking all our guests before we, uh, before we officially wrap up. So let's say you're leaving a favorite coffee shop and you bump into younger Taylor 10 years back. So younger Taylor asks current you for some life advice, uh, looking for just some guidance lost, looking for some, uh, advice and direction. So you're off on your way to a super important meeting. You only have 60 seconds to talk with him. What advice are you giving him and what are you saying to him? It's tough. That's tough. Uh, I would say I would, I would talk in a lot of bullet points, honestly. Um, and I would let the, the older Taylor figure it out a little bit, but I would say model the behaviors you wish to see in other people. 80% of the people we complain to don't care. 20% are happy that we have a problem. Life is 10% what happens to us. 90% how we respond. Uh, I would say uh, to educate yourself uh, uh, on issues in the world. Uh, to be informed as opposed to ignorant. Um, and there's, there's, you know, leadership isn't a title. It's more about your, your influence that you're able to have positively or negatively. Uh, and I, I, again, I would, I would probably, I would say high clarity equals high performance. Uh, there, there's just so many things that I think have resonated with me when I've learned them. And I, I wouldn't have like a, a long, five paragraph essay to share with, with, uh, older Taylor or with younger Taylor. I mean, um, but it, it would be a lot of bullet points because I just think that's, that's the way I learn and it's the way I absorb information and it's the way that I think. And it's the, it's what makes me reflect. Love it. That'd be an impactful 60 seconds. And I'm sure, uh, the bullet points would still hit home. So thanks for coming on Taylor. Let's uh, wrap up. If someone wants to get a hold of you, where can they, where can they reach out to you? Uh, 
Performance Max LLC is in limited liability company at gmail.com is my email. Uh, that's probably the best way. I'm not ultra active on social media. I'm occasionally on there, uh, occasionally post things. If, if you want to check out the Twitter handle, I believe it is at T Jansen. I'm not hundred percent sure that's what it is, but I'm pretty sure. Uh, and Jansen is spelled J A N N S E N. And if someone wants to read a little more of something that you've written, uh, I have two books, leave better than found and wisdom from the rocking chair. Leave better than found was written about five or six years ago when I was, uh, in the hospital having chemotherapy and, um, you know, fighting that small battle in my life. And then wisdom from the rocking chair is like a, a little tale, almost like it's a fictional story about lessons that I've learned along the way in my journey in coaching. Love it. Definitely recommend checking those out. Uh, I've read Leave Better Than Found and a lot of actionable things. If you liked what we talked about today, you'll uh, love diving into some of those. So Taylor, this exceeded my expectations. Uh, loved, loved chatting with you and love talking all these things. So thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me, Dave. I appreciate you, man. Guys, thanks so much for listening to today's episode of the Sharpening Strength Podcast. I hope you found today's show valuable and that you have some actionable strategies you can apply to your life today. If this is your first time listening, thanks for being here. If you enjoyed the podcast and found it helpful, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review. These subscriptions and reviews help other like-minded men discover the podcast and take the next step in leveling up their life. If you're a regular listener, I can't thank you enough for investing in yourself in this show. Please make sure to share this with a friend or to post on social media and tag me with your favorite part from today's show. If you haven't already, make sure to join the Strong Living for Men Facebook group be part of a community of like-minded men looking to level up their lives. Keep sharpening your strength in all areas of your life. Thanks for listening and see you guys next week.